0: So you're listening to Spirit of Discussions. I'm your host, Logan Brown. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the crazy brown liquid that is bourbon. I'm honored to have with me today four of the most tremendous individuals in the bourbon industry in Cincinnati today, uh, ranging all the way from Buttermilk Pike down in Kentucky all the way up to Dayton. That said, I will let these gentlemen introduce themselves and what exactly their role in this world is.
1: I'm Joseph Head, uh, owner of the Century
2: Bar in Dayton, Ohio. I'm Buster Danaher, I am a drinker.
3: (laughs) My name's Ed Bly, I run the whiskey program at Cork & Model. And my name's Alan Shepard, and
4: I work for the Gallenstein family at Stadium Liquor in Covington.
3: Gentlemen,
0: first and foremost, uh, I wanna say thank you and cheers for coming out. Cheers.
4: Cheers to you gentlemen. Uh, That was nice, yes. That's really nice. What are you
2: drinking? Uh, is uh, the
4: old cabinet or cabinet
2: a little dusty i was able to find from a friend so so this might kill us um the, there is lead in it yes okay but we'll die happy right that's, no it's probably not the
0: worst thing any of us drank in the last month uh-huh. no <laughs> probably not it's only so uh, 10 times the legal limit so i'm going to start here feel free for anybody to jump in where you want how did you all get started on this on the bourbon side of things like what, what first got you into maybe alcohol in general or bourbon specifically? Well, I've been in the business for
4: about 25 years. I started as a wholesale delivery guy and just progressed into the uh, retail side of it. And then the boom caught us all. And you jump on the train or you get run over. And here's where we're at.
3: I guess oh. with me, it's just a bunch of friends got together. and uh, The very first ever... Uh, big pour I ever had was a Pappy 15, and I fell in love with it from there, and ended up starting up Whiskey Barrel Society, which is a pretty big conglomerate up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and actually we have members all across the U.S., and then after doing that, uh, I came into Cork and Bottle, because we were doing joint picks with them, and uh, and I got hired on there and took over ever since. It's been fun. I started
2: with wine way back in... uh, You were a wine rep, correctly? No, I just was a, a drinker. Started with wine, um, liked the story, liked the juice, liked the variety, and uh, in 2008, because I'm a financial planner by day, when the market went south, I had to switch from the wine I liked to beer, because it was a little bit more affordable, and that's when the craft beer boom was taken off. But being here in the, what I like to call the Napa Valley of bourbon, I figured, you know, this stuff is really kind of tasty, and someone gave me a... Pour of a nice smooth whiskey i don't even remember what it was like oh my god what the heck is this and uh got to meet some people there's a lot of good representatives of the the, the bourbon community here in town and it's been about four years now just been enjoying it
1: well i come from a different point of view uh i grew up a hank williams jr fan and he always sang about jim beam so in 1987 my buddy's mom would buy us liquor on friday so older kids wouldn't rip us off so we've been i've been drinking jim beam since i was a seventh or eighth grader so awesome. i've just always been bourbon's always been my thing
0: so when when did this go from being something that you just like to drink to kind of where it is now for you like there's always that that borderline like oh yeah like i like to drink whiskey or you know i i know what the word pappy is technically to... I do private barrel picks. I, I, I drive to, to Bargetown at 4 o'clock in the morning to, to hope, to hope it puts out something exciting. Um. Uh, for, well, it's easy for me. I was at a, a bourbon camp.
2: It was the uh, Kentucky Bourbon Affair. I got my wife to be able to go down the first year they had it. A little getaway from the kids. Learn about bourbon. And they had a, a, a craft distillery group. And uh, guy by the name of Drew poured me this juice that was 13 years old and made my hair stand straight up, and uh, my stomach was screaming with joy, and I said, tell me what is this and where can I get it? Um, those people who might know me know that I am a Willet aficionado only because it's my palate, and that was where I really got interested in it, knowing that I had access to the stuff that most people can't find. And that's, what again, the Napa Valley of bourbon. Um, so i made a few trips down there and love to share the love when I bring people with me, get extra bottles, and move them on out at cost.
1: <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I was always a bartender. and I wanted to switch our, our business from a dive bar into a One Spirit specific. And I always was a bourbon drinker, so bourbon was starting to pop up around the country and you were starting to see bourbon bars. So six years ago... We switched our focus to just to be a bourbon bar, and over time we've just elevated ourselves, and that's how I become. That's how I got here.
4: Well, uh, I'm probably the most novice of all the drinkers here, uh, In all honesty, I haven't been drunk since July 3rd, 1989. Uh, I'm a sipper. I like the taste of the juice, but uh, as far as uh, where I'm at is. I'm on the retail side of it and, you know, I start seeing all these high-class guys walking into my store and they're looking at my top shelf and you sell them some stuff and you look at Doug and you're like, this is about to explode, it's, it's, it's gonna hit. You gotta take, uh, strike when the iron's hot. So that's where we're at, you know, we uh, I learned the, the trade, I learned the craft, uh, honed in my taste palette a little bit. and. Uh, we pick good barrels and that's you know it's pretty much where it happened. Uh, You're being I, modest.
1: I was, I was drunk last night. <laughs> oh I was drunk this morning, I think. No. No.
3: I mean. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I I don't even know when it turned into such a serious thing. I know that it it's uh It felt like it happened overnight, really. Yeah, it really did. I mean, it was, it really, know, really did. The
2: overnight win, Thirteen? Two thousand thirteen. 13? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I think the first time I saw lines of party sores for Pappy.
2: Yeah, I was in that line.
1: I had my Whisk, wife with me. Yeah. Whiskey you couldn't give away That's right. in 2012. Absolutely.
3: We, no joke, we still have a letter from uh, from Julian in our store begging us to carry Pappy on our shelves. Well, I'm going
4: to tell you, <laughs> Doug joke. used to, you know, 10 years ago, Old Rip 10 was the free goods on the Barton Vaca deal. Yep. and You would buy, you know, they would come, please, we need you to buy 500 cases, you know. We'll give you 10 cases of Rip 10 for free to do that. It's like, well, that's what you start doing. I mean, at one point we had probably 30 cases, and that was the 12 bottle packs at that time, the old short squats. And I looked at Doug, and I'm like, you know, what are we going to do with this? He said, it'll sell one of these days. And that's, you know, and then it's, you know, we went from having, you know, we were pulling one out every couple months, and then we were pulling one out a month, then we were pulling one out a week, and then we were pulling one out a day. And Doug just, you know, he's like, this is all free money to me. And I'm like, but this is, it's, it's getting ready to turn. Right. You know, we're going to have to start doing something now.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, and that leads me to then a different question. And I've, I've talked with a couple of my friends around this. I don't think the bubble's done, but I think we're hitting a different stage of it. I I think we're hitting something where, um, you won't find the next rip. On the shelf, you won't find any of that. You have to work to be able to understand bourbon. Because it's Absolutely. not that the price tag is what makes it good. And, you know, I would drink RIP 10 at 40 bucks a bottle all day long. Sure. You just, you can't get it. So then, where do you go? I'm interested in what you guys are seeing in your stores where people come in, they've obviously got a little bit of the bug. How do you? keep them
4: hooked.
3: I think it comes down to, like, like Alan was saying, it's the barrel picks. You can't find the limited stuff on the shelves anymore. So the niche is to find something that's better than what's normally on the shelf that's readily available. And I think what you find is that the barrel picks that are out there are significantly better than even they were back in the day when they first started. So I, I definitely think it is the barrel picks is the next, the next thing, but it's a niche. I mean, bourbon what's your demographic 90 to 25 now yeah it's not going to burst for a while. the only time that the bubble is actually going to burst is when there's more whiskey than whiskey drinkers and you're and no joke these guys were not prepared for this obviously that's why it's such a shortage now well it's not
0: to that same extent you're not running into the same issue you know you you can to a small extent look at craft beer as a small foreshadow for where we're at craft beer is fighting for shelf space and you Alan, Ed, you guys have looked like you guys have retail stores. You know how hard people are fighting for shelf space and why won't you carry this six-pack or this four-pack? But beer's a lot easier to turn out and nobody's sitting on beer for aging it. You know, it's, the oldest beer that I've tasted is a 1997 Bigfoot and it was delicious, but that's a rare exception in the beer world. Right. But people are still buying up beer left and right and whiskey that'll be good for the next 100 years if if it's closed and people are buying that just to sit on. So I, th- I think there's a lot more potential on the shelf space side there?
3: It's possible. Um, I think secondary fuels a lot of it too. I really I honestly do. I mean that's that started a lot of people into whiskey with the idea that they could make a fast buck on it. I mean, truthfully, that that's where it came from. I mean, the guys all get into it to make a fast buck, then they start tasting stuff like, Oh damn, this is actually pretty good and I think then from there you start progressing into it a little bit
1: i think the real problem with the bourbon craze today is whiskeys and the bourbon's an affordable luxury everybody can't buy a sports car or a vacation home but the average income guy who's doing okay for himself can go to your guys' places and drop five hundred a thousand dollars and clear shelves yeah, mm-hmm.
3: definitely but on top of that i mean even picks being 60 bucks are affordable for anybody i think that's a great valid point
1: The- and barrel picks are what's made us separate ourselves. Like, because of our success and fame, every bar in Dayton now, and the reps call me hatefully every day, everybody wants to be a bourbon bar, and they want they want to jump in line and get things that they have no business getting. So how do I separate myself <laughs> is good barrel picks. Yeah. So you know, I have eight of my own barrel picks, and that's something that they're just not prepared to do or have the knowledge to do. Well, we are
4: taking the approach – right now to concentrate on the drinkers with the barrel picks so that, I, I disagree, I think that the boom is close. I think that the it's gonna burst within a couple years, that uh, the money's gonna go away, the new niche is gonna be there, which is rum, and it's, I mean, it's coming. I mean, I already see a lot of bourbon guys going to rum, Sure. but I think that the people who are out there grabbing bourbon off the shelf right now and making them beautiful collections are gonna run into a, problem where their credit card bill is bigger than their collection is, and they're going to have to go to something a little cheaper, and that's going to lessen the blow for the guys who really want to be the drinkers. I mean, that's just the way I think. So we've, uh, you know, we have uh, focused our goals on the drinkers that love bourbon, so that when the boom is gone, we don't have as many grab-happy guys that are, you know, and it doesn't affect us. Right. To
0: to that extent, when you talk about, you know, what what the next thing is going to be, this is something I that intrigues me a lot because I think one of the things that's led to bourbon being so popular is the fact that bourbon has never been a known spirit for the most part until the last 15-20 years. You know people talk about like you know tequila and rums about to make this big explosion but people have been saying that on the rum and tequila side for 50-60 years because it's been around for hundreds. Bourbon itself was a relatively new spirit to people outside of the Midwest. You know if you grew up in the midwest yeah of course you know about bourbon to some extent it's kind of a household name but you go out west and people are drinking tennessee whiskey um and things like that i think one of the things that bourbon had in its advantage in launching it to the the craze that it is now is that you know especially globally and even nationally to a large extent a lot of people had never heard of or knew what bourbon was so it wasn't just a spirit making a comeback it was something altogether new and i think that's something that Rum, tequila, all those other spirits really struggle with is a lot of people have already have preconceived notions about whether or not they like it. Regardless of whether or not it's good, there's some phenomenal rums out there, there's some phenomenal tequilas out there, but a lot of people have already decided they don't like it, so they're never going to look at that row or that aisle in your liquor store. Um, but bourbon, they'd never heard of. Yeah, I'll, I'll try bourbon because they don't even associate it with whiskey off the bat. If you're not,
3: I think eat. I think there's some merit to that for sure. I think, uh, but I don't know necessarily anybody's going to switch don't necessarily have to be the next thing. I mean, it's very possible that people just keep drinking it, but I think what's going to burst your bubble is going to be that there's going to be more whiskey readily available. Give it 10 years and the shelves will be more than jam-packed. The Buffalo Trace stuff that's allocated now won't be allocated anymore. They're doing an upgrade down there. I'm sorry, they're doing what? They're doing an upgrade down at Buffalo Trace. Every
2: one of the distilleries has got major upgrades, but there's still going to be this time lag what, what I think is we're a little biased of where we are because we've had bourbon here for a while. But if I'm traveling and you, you go to a city, it was in a hotel in San Francisco, they had a Mictors rep in the lobby of the hotel doing a bourbon tasting at a, at a kind of a mid-tier hotel to capture the people coming through. I think that the secondary artificial boom where people are putting the stuff away because they're afraid that they're not going to get it they're going to realize there will be bourbon available Uh, i've taken a different approach with my own stuff i am reformed Uh, you know very first time i ever got a bottle of pappy someone offered me 400 bucks for it pappy 15. so this is back 2013. i couldn't resist because i didn't know all of the differences at that time now, every single thing in my cellar, I don't care if it goes to zero, I'm gonna drink it. Right. And it, it, it makes me much more selective as a consumer, but store picks, Dusty's, even someone telling me something new. But it, to me, my biggest concern about the expansion is it's gonna be the same thing, it's just gonna take time for that bourbon to be what we want it to be. Because you're not going to get it in four years.
1: You know, from a bar standpoint, part of the boom is you have these twenty-year-olds drinking bourbon that didn't didn't used to drink bourbon. They're not going to stop drinking bourbon. I agree with Ed. And the one thing I think I tell people every time I do a tasting. The big reason bourbon's in the boom right now, this is the first time bourbon's been in favor in America, when it was socially acceptable for women to drink in public. Mm-hmm. I agree. Women are a huge part of the bourbon industry. I agree. When they were before, they were a lost part of the market, because women just didn't drink like that.
3: I think you're exactly yeah. right. Women, it's, it,
2: it's, it is it is gigantic, yeah. um, and they, they have better palates. Than a lot of the men do
1: women absolutely because men while men are usually stronger and hunters and gatherers women are nurturers women would taste everything before they let their children taste it so women over time women's palates and tasting panels they they always pick out things that the men don't get
4: oh i absolutely agree with that one of our best uh picks of the year last year was our ladies pick of knob creek and, you know, I thought I knew a little something about bourbon, and I thought I could pick my bourbon, my Knob Creek versus a couple other ones. And uh, a friend of ours, Phil, brought them in and did a blind taste for me. And I said, well, I know which one's mine. He said, which one is it? I said, it's that. He said, well, you're right. That's your store pick. But it's the ladies' pick. It's not yours. And it was the one that I clearly picked <laughs> and out. So I agree with that statement yeah. completely. Yeah, definitely. Well,
2: and, and that's the thing that I think we're starting to see more of in is blind tasting. Because anyone that says, oh, yeah, I can pick this one out or that one out, uh, unless they've been doing it for a long time, they're going to have some challenges.
1: That's all I do. I, I don't bartend anymore. All I do is corporate tastings and private tastings, and I only do them blindly. Yeah. And every single, not every, almost every single time, I always slip number five in. And every time I do it, every person in that room raised their hand and loves number five. It's always Wild Turkey 101. That's right. If I'd have told them what it was, they'd have told me they didn't want that hillbilly juice but when they drink it for what it is in a glass right love it every single time
4: absolutely we have turned so many people on to the russell's reserve and some kentucky spirit where people said well i'm not a wild turkey guy right i'm like well you don't have to be a wild turkey guy just try this and it's just it blows them away the people are are amazed that they're able to drink and like russell's so when
0: you when you put that in the the concept of of blind tastings and you know, you said that if, if every bottle of bourbon you have value-wise goes to zero dollars tomorrow, yes, you have no concerns because you're going to drink it all. Absolutely. So with that in mind, I, I know you have you, you, you agree with things like six-year Heaven Hill bottled and bond is an awesome whiskey. And that's a still of out there. Bottle, yeah, that's yep. a great bourbon to drink. But You also have you know things like the Kentucky Al number no. six. I have four Russells. Two, Russell, that's I a, mean, that's close four, to two hundred dollars retail. Right. I got four Booker's Rye. Okay. Yeah. My wife loves it. So so how do you how do you as somebody who you know you don't mind the price point as long as the quality's there? No. How do you
3: decide uh, what you're
0: buying and what you're passing on the shelf?
4: Um um, I think it's all price point for me. Yeah. I mean you have to you know, if you've got a hundred dollar bottle and a twenty dollar bottle and the hundred dollar bottle is better, but is it a hundred dollars or is it eighty dollars better? Right. You know, that's, I, I always equate that in.
1: Price point has to be part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first bottle of bourbon didn't cost over $50 until 1987 when Booker came out with Booker's. That was a first. And all the time bourbon had been on the shelf, first time in nineteen eighty seven, And then what? Now we've seen this these ridiculous spike in prices. But price is not indicative of quality when it comes Absolutely. to bourbon. Absolutely.
3: No, I agree completely. I, think, I, I don't know. I think that there is definitely some quality that's coming down the road. I mean, look at what Smooth Ambler's doing. You, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've tasted their distillery yet, mm-hmm. but they're set to shock some people, not yeah. just on their weeder. They got other stuff cooking that's pretty daggone good. So I think that you may see an uptick in quality here over the next few years too. Right now, everybody's scrambling just to get stuff on the shelf. They haven't had time to really put the quality into it. And so when you look at the inverse, Alan, you think
0: the you think the bubble's about to pop. Um, Jim Rutledge is about to open his own distillery, which, I mean, puts him out four years from a bottle and bond arguably seven years out from quality with it like his personal mindset is seven years is that sweet spot for most whiskey do you think it's going to hold out that long do
4: you all oh, the, the there's always going to be drinkers there's never going to be a shortage of drinkers but when i say the boom i mean the guys camping out for two days to get a btac or you know guys coming in and trying to you know you know shake their rolex in front of your eyes and get you to drop down the you know the pappy 15. i think that you know a guy like uh you know like jeff could come into the store and pick up a bottle in two or three years and not have to worry about getting mugged in the the parking lot or doing a glorified crotch shot Uh, you know you know the
2: The crotch shot uh, and it's snob appeal right now there's still a snob appeal from some bourbon consumers and Logan, I was thinking about your comment. What price point? Does it matter? And it's always fun to have something that you can pour for a friend that they otherwise wouldn't have. And if it was a $20 bottle on every shelf, you lose that. But I've got a decanter with no label on it. And I rotate store picks through it. Um, very old Barton Bottled in Bonds. Signature. Um from uh, Old Forrester just don't tell people what it is and they're like this is good stuff and then you tell them oh yeah it's, it's this and they're like oh but the bubble is not going to be able to sustain itself if the Wall Street type moves to something else where Pappy 23 is not 1800 bucks a bottle there's no reason for that person to sit in line for a couple days but I'm wondering are we going to lose the drinker because BTAC normally really good juice, arguably. Um, For the
0: novice drinkers out there, b stands for the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, which is a limited release of five different bottles they do every year. Yeah. Uh, Continue. I
2: I, I was just going to say, if I can't... I've gotten one bottle of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection in the last three years at cost. One bottle. Uh, I would have loved to have had 10 bottles to drink, but I could only get one. And it used to really bother me. Not anymore. Uh, as long as they're going to people who like it and are drinking it, not going to somebody where they're going to pull it out in front of their friends and go, hey, that's, yeah, anyway.
1: Funny how only one company seems to have an issue with allocations and what you can and can't get. You know, I was tell people, sazeracs they're the devil. They, it's a small town, and they own a grocery store, and the only source of news. And it's going to ten, snow 10 foot every day. They sell a lot of water at Buffalo, or water and bread at Buffalo Trace.
3: They're the only distillery that tells me what I'm going to buy every year. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely, they're the only people, only company that says we're not shipping Blantons this month. No one in the world, besides some of the really big liquor stores, would ever even see that. But they're they're, they're playing with the market. They're making guys clear shelves, and this guy's are gonna get burnt. Like that old red label Black Maple Hill. That wasn't great. People cleared shelves like it was the next coming. Yeah. Those guys are gonna be stuck with that junk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah.
3: agree. I agree completely.
0: So, what, what was retail on Black Maple Hill? $30. This is the stuff from Oregon. The red label,
1: black yeah. label. Yeah, the 16-year-old old black label, oh, yeah. it was special. That's it was, but that's sure. not what people were buying. They thought what they thought they were buying. The 23, right? right. Absolutely. Right? Kind of yeah. like the
0: difference between buying barrel bourbon with one L and buying barrel bourbon with two L's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people will
2: be forgiving if they buy a bourbon and it doesn't meet their expectations once. But if you buy something and it just really disappoints you there's always other things that they can move to but I guess in my mind I don't mind if the bubble bursts from the people who are only in it because it's cool if it allows the people who enjoy it to have access to things without having to pay through the nose or trade or, or do you know illegal shipping or whatever to try to get this stuff
1: Internet's been the best and worst thing to ever happen to bourbon. Yeah, well you can make sad. the argument both directions. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so with with uh, Alan Alan and Ed on the like, you guys run your divisions for bourbon in a given in any given year of the last three years. You know, when it comes to things like BTAC or or Pappy Van Winkle, if if you don't mind disclosing, you know, how many bottles of each do you normally end up with each year on your allocation side? And how do you decide who gets those? Like you know when, when you look at the like when you look at people who are willing to pay 2 or 3000 dollars for a bottle or come in and shake their Rolex. How do you decide to say no to that 1500 dollars cash in front of you? And why are you saying no to it? And and who are you deciding to sell it to and why? Well, to me it's very easy. I say no to everybody.
4: <laughs> and <laughs> he then, does. And I absolutely <laughs> do. And then I let you come in and I let you buy our single barrels that we i think we do an amazing job and i get to know every one of my customers i try to call every one of my customers by name when they walk through the door Uh, i think that's the key to building your future if the burst does happen if you know your customers and you deliver some service and then after that it's just a matter of spreading it around man you just gotta you know you gotta have the right kind of customers are gonna you know they're gonna say Hey, I know you've got 300 guys that want the 12 bottles of you know b that you got this year. You know, if I get one, I get one. If I don't, hey, I'm not going to be pissed because I got one of your great Russell Reserve picks. So to me, it's very easy. It's a pain. It's and it's tough to you know to manage all the different guys and make sure that you're getting something to everybody. That's what I try to do in a given year is to make sure everybody gets something. It's getting tougher to do. But it's a problem that it's good to have because we've got plenty of customers. So
3: I, get, I think with us, we did a little bit differently. Um, I kept my staff in mind a lot because during Pappy time, the phone doesn't stop ringing. It just does not stop. And it gets to the point where you want to yank your hair out. Everybody and their brothers in the store. So the easiest thing we could do was just go as most fair as we could with our customers. And we do it in a lottery system. It, we draw all year long. We draw twice a month. Um, you know, and it's all based about you know. You can get the entries when you come into store. It's just driving people into our store, and I think that's what's worked best for us. It just it takes all the pressure off my staff. Well, we we started doing that.
4: I think first, I think we were the first ones that started doing a lottery, uh, and it worked well for us, and it gained our uh, our customer base where we wanted to put it. Uh, and then it just you know, it got to the point where you know. You had people just, you know, a couple hundred people coming to your store in a given week and they weren't buying anything. They were coming in saying, hey, let me get my lottery slipping in and out the door. And that's not fair to the guy who, you know, who's spending, you know, a $50 bill in your store every two weeks because that's all the bourbon allowance he has. His wife's not going to let him have anymore. So we took a different approach this year and we're doing, you know, we're taking a page from the Flippers books and we're doing like Powerball lotteries and Mega Ball lotteries, you know, so that it's very transparent. Here are the names. One of these 15 guys, or one of these 26 guys, is going to win, and then that sheet is going to be thrown in the garbage. And then, guess what? You're going to have to come back next week and and see what we're. You know, you can't rest on your laurels of having, you know, 35 slips of my lottery slip that you got, you know, in the months of uh, October, November, and then I'm still pulling in July, and you're good. You know, you still get to win? No, you're not going to do it. So that's kind of, you know, that's, you know, we that's where we uh, changed plans this year. And try to stay ahead of the, all this boom. And I, you know, I work really hard to innovate what we're doing. And now we're to the point where you know you're you're copying the secondary market to, <laughs> to get the great ideas. I mean, imagine that.
0: <laughs> you know, and, pretty wild. And you know, for for a little bit of context here, I want to add, add a couple of things. First off, and I I feel bad for guys like yourself because it doesn't matter what you do, you will always have somebody mad at the way you do it. Um, Which boils down to a lot of entitlement. You know, somebody's always mad that you won't sell to them because they think they're special, and that's that's unfortunate. And I'm sorry for that. But you know, I also uh, Party Source, who's who's sponsoring this this festival, and they do some great stuff. You know, for the most part, with rare exception, when they get something, it goes on the counter that morning. Um, And it used to just go on the shelf, and they didn't care. And then they stopped bothering putting it on the shelf because it was a waste of their time putting it on the shelf when people were chasing the cart to the shelf. And so I. I had the opportunity to talk to them before this, and I asked them why they put things out just on the counter. And for a company that's, that's employee-owned, that's, that's that large, that gets a good allocation of a lot of stuff, their reasoning made sense to me more than I expected it to, which was we're not going to spend manpower or labor figuring out how to sell something that sells itself. And from that extent, like, you know, me personally, I don't have the money to walk into Party Source and spend $20,000 a year like I know some friends do. And I'm not begrudging them at all, like I, I wish I had that. But for them, and for for my benefit, it, it it makes it a little bit easier because the only thing I have to do is be willing to have a morning off and, and go be there when it comes out to be on the same page as somebody who spends $20,000 a year there. And they don't care because whatever they sell it for is whatever they sell it for. It doesn't matter if you spent $5 with them in the last year or spent a million dollars with them.
3: I think it's a little um, different when you got stores with that size and that sort of allocations. I mean, Alan's even got more than we do at Cork. We only have one store and we're a medium sized store. We're not a huge store. We're not a small store. We're right in the middle. So, I mean, our allocations are a lot less than what you even come across or what party stores. We're not even a fraction of what party source got. So they want to get it out and get it done with and more power too. I mean, I think that's a smart move on their part. With us, we use it as marketing. See, we don't upcharge on our bottles at all. It's all. It's all just normal retail. And I think that that's the most, the best way for us to be able to do it with what we have to work with.
4: Yeah, you can't put a value on the marketing dollars that a bottle of pappy sitting on your shelf yep. for six months when those guys come in and they look at it. And you can't put a value on that. I mean, what's the markup on, you know, 15% on a bottle, so you're making, you know, 20 bucks on a bottle, right. you know, but I can't spend that 20 bucks on marketing and have Fifty people come into my store on a, you know, I mean, it, that's what it boils down to. Is, is the marketing for us, right?
3: And I think it's the same thing, but I think that also goes the opposite direction, where you got stores that'll go and just blow it up and charge five hundred bucks for a bottle or something crazy like that. And that. It counts against you for marketing too, so it's actually costing you. Well, know. and that's that's the
0: two the twofold side of marketing. Like, do you think a they're putting Pappy fifteen for two thousand dollars on their shelf because they want to keep it on the shelf to say they have it? Or do you think he's actually just that excited that... No, I think they're doing for that, that just for that to one get as sale. Much,
3: much bank in their buckets. Because the even bad publicity possible.
0: is good publicity for most people. Well, and then, you know, we'll occasionally
4: price not to sell. You know, it's something that we don't want to sell. We want to have it on the shelf. But if a guy wants to come in and offer me 1500 bucks for a bottle that I normally would charge 150 bucks, what are you going to do? You're not going to say no to that money if you're going to price like that. So, I mean, some of those stores, they they, they see the, the dollar signs. I mean, somebody's going to go into that store and they're going to see 1500 bucks and they're going to go, I don't care, I'm going to buy it. So, if they're only going to get one bottle, I'm going to get 10 bottles at 150 bucks. He's going to get one bottle, he's going to get 1500 bucks on it. So,
2: it's hard. Yeah. It's definitely it's, it's, a hard it's, situation. It, yeah, it, it's complicated. And I'm very interested in the bar allocation in, 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 in a second. But as a consumer, I've seen it all because I had to decide, where am I gonna go spend my money? Where am I gonna be able, I've got a limited budget. Where am I gonna enjoy where I'm shopping? And Alan mentioned, um, we had a conversation a week or two ago. I know I'm not gonna get a bottle of BTAC. He's got 15 times for every bottle, he's got 15 customers who instantly would take one. At least 15. At least 15. It's more about though, um, I enjoy bourbon. And I want to find a place where I can enjoy both talking about it and learning about what's new and what's happening. And the internet does that somewhat, but it's just gotten, I think, mean. And and I, you know, for full disclosure, I'm off the secondary sites. I just said I can't even tempt myself anymore. So I'm still jonesing a little bit because it's only a couple weeks ago that I did this. I, I miss the action of just knowing what this stuff is. But I'm, I am on one site that's cost plus ship, and I love nothing more if I pick up a bottle and I'll put it up there, do a mega ball, which for people who are listening, it just uses the, uh, the red ball that's drawn, and the 15 people, whoever has that number, gets to buy it from me at cost.
3: And that's spreading the karma around. I agree. Um, Travis has done a great job with that page. I think... Uh I think there's a ton of different things that go into bourbon but the thing that matters the most is the stories and the camaraderie that you get with sharing a bottle with friends yeah i think that a lot of people that are just flippers when it comes to that miss that aspect of it it's fun it's fun for me when i have customers come into store because we have a tasting license i can taste up with them and we sit and just have a and talk Right. right and i think that's a that's a huge part of bourbon that that gets lost on a lot of guys Well, now I'm very interested in the the, the bar allocations,
1: and uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'll tell you what—it's a little bit of what everybody said here. A, I don't care if I ever sell a drop of Pat Van Winkle, but it just looks good for me to have them on my shelf. I have 375 whiskeys on my shelf, 167 bourbons, in a control state. I'm doing something, but the first thing everybody comes in—they want that Pat Van Winkle. How many of those are private barrel picks? Eight.
3: That's awesome. What uh, barrels do you have in right now?
1: What's that? Which
3: barrels do you have in
1: right now? I have a – I'm the only bar in Ohio that has a barrel, a private barrel of Antique Weller. Nice. I have an Eagle Rare, uh, Kentucky Spirit, a Russell, 1792, my Woodford Blend, Buffalo Trace. I have another – I have an Eagle Rare, if I know not said that or not. I have another Russell's and Kentucky Spirit and another Woodford blend on the way. So Man,
4: tell us how you pull that off, Joe. I'm yeah, always curious. Yeah, serious for Ohio. I mean, you, you've, no got, so, you've got so the, me, the sickest you know, lineup in curi- the state of Ohio. My
0: curiosity, like, uh, genuinely with that, like, do you guys have a, a storage locker somewhere with just private barrel bottles? Or is, or is there some place to buy those bottles retail? Uh, you no, know, uh,
1: I have a very good relationship with my liquor store. So... You know, I got to get it out of there quick, but I don't got to get out there. I don't have to get out of there all at once. But you know, on the on these high end things like the Patman Winkle, I, I, try, I try to outprice the room every year. Like, because you know who I don't want getting it? Because you know we're close to right Pat, and we have all the NCR and all those guys coming town. You try to outprice. You don't want a guy with the expense account coming and showing his showing his ass <laughs> yep. and just spending money. And then that happens. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to be that guy who's like, I'm never going to ever be able to find it in a secondary market. I'm never going to get it from a liquor store. This is my dream. I want to, he's going to have to pay up for it. I mean, it is what it is. I hate it. I don't want to be a flipper, but at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. So you know, we want and sometimes I tell people all the time, my place is a fresh catch market. If, okay. we're, if there's plenty of fish in the sea, don't cost as much today. But when I, if I get one bottle of George T. Stag like I did last year, one, you got to you're gonna have to pay real up for it. But don't matter what I charge, you can't keep it on the damn shelf. And you know, as again traveling a little bit,
2: was in a bar in San Francisco. And they had Stag at fourteen dollars a pour, and was up in Cleveland at a different place, and they had Booker's twenty five at fourteen dollars for a two ounce pour. Because they, they, it, it, was, it was still sitting there, and then just there, they just had Booker's Rye. It shows the difference of the markets. And this place is known as a uh, a bourbon bar, but not like your place in Dayton or here in Cincinnati. There are a few, and across the river in, uh, in Mainstross, there's a couple of really good ones. I, I just don't know how in a control state you can do what you do.
1: It's it's hustle. I made. Mean, I- we you know, We always had cause I worked, I've worked, i been in the same bar for almost 19 years and in 2011 I was going to open my own place my, my employer then, and today's my business partner was like, wait, what do you want to do? I said, for very little money we can triple and we always carry like 20 bourbons, because that's what I drank but we can jump up our what we have on a shelf for very little money I went to my liquor store I've been calling on it for like 12 years and I was like No more late night phone calls on the answer machine like, I'm Joe, here's what we want to do, and he and and I are real good friends, and so every single rep, every brand ambassador, like, I have all their phone numbers, I call them, I know when things are coming out, I'm pestering them every day, you know, just fighting for every little bit I can get my hands on.
0: So you're like the average customer (laughs) going to the liquor store looking for the good stuff.
1: Yeah, the only thing is when it comes to liquor store, I get first dibs at all of it.
0: Right, but it's even tougher for him. So then you're like a really good customer.
1: Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a very good I'm a i I'm a four thousand dollar a week on a, customer. On a side
0: note, somebody just dropped off a what appears to be a mystery sample of something. Uh, I assume it's it's obviously whiskey. It might be bourbon.
1: If it's not whiskey, we're all going to punch him. That's fair. So
0: does, <laughs> I'm not punching him, man. He hits back. Does does. He likes it. fireball. (laughs) Uh, Alright, So the only tip is single barrel fireball. Does Uh. do any of you gentlemen have any guess on what it is before we find out what it is? Eagle
1: rare. He's wearing a Remus hat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing it's an eagle.
2: Eagle rare. Not sure my
0: glasses. 90 proof ish.
1: After six samples of barrel proof. With bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: true. Everything tastes like water we've been drinking <laughs> barrel proof all night. Barrel well,
3: five? this
4: would be this would be uh, an Eagle Rare barrel five from Stadium Legger Blake. Nice. Very,
0: Very nice. smooth. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Alright, so so with all the allocation, you know, buying the buying the private barrels on a fun note, I'm curious, what is the most ridiculous thing any of you have ever seen for somebody Trying to
3: get a bottle. Sending in their grandma. Don't send in your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that worked for me.
2: I got a whole case, a hop slam
3: because my mother-in-law went in, but uh, yeah. no. <laughs> the grandma out, the grandma. My goodness. Holy cow. I've had that five times this week.
4: <laughs> uh, You've had five old grandmas, grandmas this week. 90-year-old grandmas. Uh, 85-year-old grandfathers. Uh,
1: Smoking hot girlfriends. Smoking hot girlfriends. Yeah. That was uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of it. Uh, again, I, I put off a lot of people with, you know, with my uh, "Don't come to our store unless you're a drinker" attitude, and it's kind of preceded what I do. So I don't get as many of the crazies that some of the other stores might get. But uh, you know, they're definitely out there. I mean, I think the biggest stories are. When I'm at my store and guys are sending me pictures from other stores down south, uh, over in Bellevue, what's going on? And there's just you know, 200 guys uh, lobbying for the you know the, the 50 bottles. That's the craziest thing I think that I actually see.
1: Uh, sidebar: If you want to lose my attention really quickly, walk up to my bar and tell me you only drink small batch bourbon.
3: <laughs>
1: y'all can just get away from me if that's what you say you right. uh, craziest
2: thing i've ever done to get a bottle this was very early on what keep it pg a, pardon keep it pg pg it, it is pg it, <laughs> it involves my spouse I, I didn't tell her the night before that they were having a pappy release and this is when you could get in line at 5:30 or 6 in the morning and still get something so I said, honey, honey, wake up. I, I want to have a date. We're going to go to Starbucks and do something exciting in the morning. And I had the-, the chairs in the car, and I took her and I got her a cup of coffee. And I have this picture of her that I took on my phone with the death stare of her sitting there in November, holding her cup of Starbucks <laughs> just to keep warm. Wow. <laughs> now, fortunately, we each did get a bottle of 15 year which is... You know, I, I-, uh,
0: I was at the release last year. That was the first time... <laughs> I ever camped out for bourbon. And I'd always been, like, I'd always considered myself above it. Huh. And then I was having a conversation about bourbon releases, and then I realized the number of times that I've gone to beer releases. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've I've slept on the sidewalk in Athens waiting for Jackie O's Bourbon Barrel Dark Apparition with friends. I've done three Floyds since 2007 for four or five years. Um,. All those things. I was like, you know what? Like, I've, I've, I've hated on bourbon camping for a long time, but I've, I've done so many beer. Like, I'll try it. And oddly enough, my girlfriend was into it. Like, She was like, yeah, let, let's go do this. So we took some chairs and a grill and the cooler full of beer and whiskey. Well, that's a party. And it, it wasn't nearly yeah, really as bad as I thought it would be. Know, right. I showed up at 1.30 in the morning. By 3 o'clock, I was smoking a cigar and playing poker.
1: If you're not a mule, that's yeah. a fun time. You get right. 10 buddies and want to take a grill and a little fire pit and make it a night and have a – those are in cigars. That's a memory. But when you're just sitting there in line and you're going to go give it to some other guy, he's going to give you two hundred dollars. Right. Yeah, that's the devil.
0: And you could tell the you can tell the difference in people there. There were people who were just like cold and miserable and didn't want to talk to anybody, and then you had a bunch of people just passing bottles oh, yeah. and
3: shooting the shit. That's where I met Tim and Larry. What was at in a line at fourteen. Tim and Larry, the bourbon guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Fantastic guys. Absolutely yep. fantastic. Their palettes out of this world good. But yeah. yeah, I mean it's amazing the people you meet even just standing in line sometimes. So you have, on, on, on moving past the Van Winkle and the Rare Bourbons,
0: you have uh, you have companies like High West who have been making a big splash in the last few years. Um, you know, their Double Rye, their Son of Burr Rye, Rendezvous Rye, like that entire series, some of the other stuff. The American Prairie, they just released at $30 a bottle as their everyday drinker. Um, just sold to Constellation, which is a giant conglomerate. What, what, what did you think of High West before? Do you think it's going to affect what's coming from them in the long run? And do you see this as a a trend that's about to happen in bourbon? You know, we've, we've seen probably two dozen craft breweries sell out to the, you know, big beer, for better or worse, in the last three years. Well,
1: that's a little different. When they sell out to big beer, they still make that style of beer or in the honor of that beer. I liken it more to what happened with tequila. What was I... 98, nine, or 2002, two, three Patron and Los Santos? Well, they had the agave shortage. A disease ran through the agave plant. So those big companies, I mean, they weren't doing it to be hateful. If you have a giant company, they went and bought up all those mom and pop tequila places. So bourbon's the same thing. I, I, you know, you got to get back some of that stock you sold off as we were starting to see. You know, Indiana's out of good juice. We're starting to see that every day. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, MGP's been putting out great stuff. It's amazing. They used to be the black sheep of the bourbon world, and all of a sudden, people started realizing, hey, they got good juice, <laughs> you know. And now, I mean, with Smooth Ambler winning single barrel bourbon of the year to the, the World Whiskey Awards, they've just taken off. Now they released the Metzky's Select this year. They're pumping out product like crazy. When I lived down in Lawrenceburg, they were cooking twenty four seven down there.
1: But they're starting to run out. They got hit, you know. I mean, they ran, they ran good for a long time. But you're starting to see like the Smooth Ambler is going to go away, and you watch how some of these other people buying that that big high ride juice start pulling back on what they're doing. I think Absolutely. they changed
3: their agreements to be able to source from them, and that's a pretty hefty agreement now to be able to source from them at all.
1: Oh, well, I'm so sure. So that,
3: that's probably why you're seeing a lot of the smaller places go away. But I don't think Smooth Ambler has any uh, any indication of ever stopping sourcing from them. They're going to release their stuff in addition to it as well. But the old,
1: I'm sorry, the old Scouts going away. Yeah, no,
3: they'll still be here. I don't think I don't think they're gonna get away with it at all. I was just out there uh, a couple weeks ago. I'll so
0: say you just did some some private barrel. Picks yeah, I got four coming from them
3: right yeah. now. Yeah, well they're,
0: they're
4: they're scaling back what they're doing as far as the as the single barrels and what they're letting people to get in to do.
0: Uh, we've got some smooth ambler stuff coming out. Uh, Actually, it's would if you don't mind share a little bit about your recent trip out to smooth ambler. Sure. Because as I understand, you went out there with a group of people.
3: I heard one guy bought a barrel for himself.
0: Yeah, we, we uh, definitely you picked do eight that. barrels
3: overall. To be illegal, in order to buy a barrel of whiskey, you have to run it through a store. So we do run barrels through our store for other customers from time to time. And uh, we went out on the trip. We took a couple groups with us. We ended up drilling twenty-seven barrels on that trip. It took five hours <laughs> to do that pick, and we ended up picking eight barrels. It's a hard job. What's that? It's a hard job. Uh, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. All right. I think Johnny Foster was tired of looking at us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to the question about
2: people buying other people. There aren't a lot of bourbon production facilities that are available for sale. A lot of them are already owned by the big guys, other than Heaven Hill. So there's, I look at it, there's really three tiers. There's the big guys that have been around forever, you know, Beam and Makers and and so forth, and they've all been pretty much acquired other than Heaven Hill. You had your next tier, which were the people like Willett, Smooth Ambler, and High West, that had quality products that are making their own juice, and in the meantime they were using NDP stuff, non-distiller producer. Then, you had the the, the micros, the ones that are starting, and I just don't know how they're gonna be bought. I, I don't see how they're gonna survive, because it takes so long to be able to get your stuff to market. Well, they're okay. gonna
4: make they're gonna make vodka and gin. Yeah. That's where they're gonna make their money. That's yeah. a
1: template for craft distilleries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what exactly
4: is. what they have to do. I mean, you can't make money today unless you're making vodka and gin, and it doesn't take any time to do that whatsoever. And that's what'll keep them afloat, so that if they are distilling a good juice, they can they can uh, sustain over time. Right. The I worst agree. thing that happens
1: yeah. to small distilleries is taking off, because they're just never making enough to sustain any anything going forward. Right. I started snatching them up and then and they only made so much juice, they're yeah. just bleeding money.
3: Definitely. I mean, the only options you got when you first start up is either make, like you said, uh, gin and vodka or to source. I mean, otherwise you're, you're not going to make it.
2: Well, 10 years ago though, those places could source, blend, and age the, uh, the stuff from the Seagram's plant. Yeah. Or there was a surplus of juice, which as I'm hearing, really isn't there anymore uh the the stuff that
1: someone else has made for
4: you absolutely a lot of that stuff's been bled dry i mean there is not a lot of great whiskey left in indiana right now
1: well everybody's starting to hold off jim beam just january 1 no longer will sell anything to anyone else so you're starting to see all the big companies go pull back a little bit heaven hill at some point maybe
3: there's an awful (laughs) lot of juice coming out of kentucky under different labels right now though absolutely yeah. yeah definitely question i
2: got for you gentlemen is what is the best bourbon on your shelves almost every day that nobody buys except for the people who know about it the stuff that you know you should look for if you want to try something a little different well
4: for a little while longer granddad 114
2: i okay. was gonna say the same thing yeah, there's
4: not i mean they're, they're tick, gonna, tock, tick, tock.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tick tock tick tock yeah tick tock tick tock those
4: bottles were going away quick
2: rumor says that that's discontinued
4: it is discontinued that's why i say those bottles are going away okay. quick you know any store that was uh, smart enough to think ahead and buy up all the inventory they could still have some <laughs> wink, we're, wink.
1: On page, yeah.
3: we're on the same page don't you worry uh,
4: yeah.
3: I think the turkey 101 is a solid one that a lot of people are just not not paying attention to I had one the other day it's a brown sugar bomb when it opens up and a lot of people are just I, I guess back in the day they got a bad reputation or something but it's it's fantastic
1: I think wild turkey gets hung like tequila because you're 16 and stupid, don't make that bad liquor.
3: That's right. That's <laughs> a great point. A great point. I absolutely love those guys down there. Jimmy and Eddie are the best. Uh, they really yeah. are. I, the,
1: my, I took my wife down. She just started drinking bourbon. I took her down, and we picked the Russells, and it was just me, her, and Eddie. And she got to talk to him about him and his wife, and I, that was one of the most fun hours I spent in a Rick house, yeah. and I can't, I can't tell you how long.
4: I love Eddie. I, I That's my most favorite pick now. I mean, You go to Buffalo Trace for the sexy picks and the you know, the good juice, but there's nothing or like sitting around and talking with Eddie and he tells you the stories about his dad yeah. and when his dad sat around with Booker and Elmer and they were drinking. And, and yeah.
1: he picks the barrels, not he, somebody that told him that's their damn job. Absolutely, right. when He, he picks you, every he, barrel for a yeah. different reason. When, yeah.
4: when he looks at you and says, hey, look, I got a good barrel for you, you know he picked that barrel for you that right. day. Yeah, right. it's pretty uh, wild. Yeah.
3: It's definitely wild. What's the best is being in that Rick house and then bringing a tour by as you're picking yeah. barrels and then they're yeah. drinking with Eddie and they um,
1: yeah. My job's better than your job. <laughs> yes,
3: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well,
2: and that's the cool thing about being in our area is those people show up from time to time at your stores,
0: yeah. at a bar. Oh, yeah. uh, and you, you get to you meet have the great things right here. The, the Cincinnati Bourbon Society, where, you know, like at least once a year they have a master distiller out. Oh, um, at least, yes. I do want to interject really quick. Uh, for those of you, I think the, the nine people so far that have been listening to this live... Uh, first and foremost, thank you for uh, listening in, supporting, and hanging out with us on a Saturday night. I'm sure there's a lot of other things you could have been doing tonight. Um, we're going to keep talking, so if you want to listen to the full version of this, uh, you can check spiriteddiscussions.net uh, here soon for the full edit. But uh, we're going to leave you with a little bit of a teaser as we play off at the end of this hour broadcast. I want to ask everybody at this table what advice you would give to somebody just getting into the hobby. Um, you know, like I know for me, somebody recently asked, How do you afford to buy everything? Uh, when it comes to this this plethora and like ridiculous amount of whiskey coming out is so my, my immediate answer was that you know I don't buy everything right. Um,
2: well, I got a good answer for you So
0: I got a good answer the, for after, you after you the too. break good. Yeah, I say fine five or six
4: good people Do bottle shares and buy and try everything but you're gonna have to find some people that are gonna You know have like minds with you and go out and share I mean, that's that's what it's about crack open a seal and share the bottles
3: I think you're I think you're spot on. I think it's also important to find somebody that's maybe been in it for a little while. Maybe there's somebody that has a little bit of knowledge. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You'd be shocked how many people are willing to share
1: information out there. Well I always you're, you have a better answer than me, I imagine. I always tell people if a bottle costs over $50, call somebody smarter than you. <laughs> I, I
2: love that comment. I was gonna say, uh, look for your local bourbon society. Uh, and here's a plug for the Greater Cincinnati Bourbon Society. We meet second Monday of the month. The location varies, but you can find us on Facebook. And people there often bring bottles to share. And it's a way that you can talk to someone without having to shell out a price of a whole bottle to see if you like it. The second piece of advice is we've got great bourbon bars in our area. Don't think that you can go on a Friday night or a Saturday night when it's slammed and talk to your... Uh, your bourbon expert there. But if you have a chance, take a day off of work and get there when they're opening and sit there and say, here's what I want to do. I want to learn about bourbon. Can you um, help me? Pour me a flight of a couple of different ones so I can learn. And that way, the money you would have put chasing these expensive bottles, you might find you don't like the juice.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also important, also to stop in all of our establishments. I don't. I think Alan is more than willing to share information. You're more than right. more willing to share information. I'm definitely willing to share a report. I think everybody here wants to help you succeed. Help to help you find something that you're gonna like. Because and hey, you guys both do something that
0: I really appreciate. That that I don't understand why more stores don't. I recently took a, a big trip down to Louisville and came back up through Indiana. And I, I went with a friend, and we stopped at a plethora of stores, and we probably stopped at five stores that had store pick whiskeys, be it Buffalo Trace or Knob Creek or something like that, that didn't have a bottle of that for me to taste. And it's not that I don't want to support those guys, but you know, on the note of the variance you can get in a bottle of Private Barrel, you know, first off, personally, I can't afford to buy a bottle of Private Barrel at every liquor store I stop at. But you know, guys like you, like I, you know, I've, I've gone into Cork and Bottle before and, and needed to get food before I went home uh, because that's got so many <laughs> private barrel selections. Yeah. Um, you know, the first time I ever walked into stadium and finally had the chance of meeting Alan, you know, he, he pours me four samples and says, "This is the gamut of what we run." Um, you know, it really helps shape that drive and, and where you go. So when I walk into a store, that says, you know, we care enough to buy a private barrel, but no, you can't taste it before you buy it. You know, I, I think one open bottle probably sells an extra 20 a lot faster. I,
1: I would. What, what I like to do is I would speak to what all of you just said. Uh, don't come to me on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock. Or you're going to think my bartenders are hateful. They're not hateful. There's a line outside to get in. But if you come in on a Tuesday afternoon and you act like you give a shit about bourbon, you want to learn... I'll start pouring you stuff, and you won't have a bill when you leave because I'm excited someone wants to know. and right. like, let's taste things. I'll take you through it. You email me. Call me. Well, I'll meet you down there. and We can have some fun because you're going to make a customer for life. Right. You know right. I mean? There's right. nothing that
3: makes us happier than sitting down and sharing pours with y'all when you come in. And, and I'm sure you're confident Absolutely. in your picks. I mean, they're fantastic. I tried them, and I'm confident in my picks so it's not an issue for us to share with you and, and to share some knowledge at the same time and help you learn and help you along your path and, and i got
2: one more point is after you've done that if you're going back for another tasting or or with people taste it blind taste it without knowing what it is yeah, because sure. you're going to be influenced by the label or by the price point. absolutely i, I can't tell you the number of times i've been humbled where I thought I was going to know something, uh, th- that my favorite bourbon of the night wasn't the expensive, super sought-out bourbon. And it it, it does change your perspective. Um, also, make sure you have a driver. Yes. If, if you're sampling a lot of bourbon, yeah, this definitely. stuff can sneak up on it, you, know, you. You want to make sure you're going to be able to repeat your visit without having to uh, wait six months. Yeah. Water's free. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Yeah uh before we go into the next thing uh, we have a private barrel pick uh, we, we, we have some phenomenal liquid on the table here I'm not gonna say what all of it is uh, but if everybody would like to, to pour a little bit of this buffalo trace yeah. uh, you know party source has a bunch of private barrel picks um, this pick in particular is coming from the quaff brothers which is typically their beer division um, and I'm re- like I'm excited about this on a different level quaff brothers if you don't know is uh, is run by the beer division at party source. And basically what they do is party source buys a bunch of private barrel liquor and what they do is they take that barrel that they had they give it to a local brewery to age some beer in and then they do a quaff brothers release which is a local brewery aged in a, ber- aged in a beer barrel it's a great program this is the first time they've done a private barrel liquor and i'm excited to see how this goes full circle to see the private barrel that they pick themselves then turn into a private barrel beer as a quaff brothers beer release down the road and be able to see that, bear, that beer aged in this barrel and taste the whiskey and the beer side by side. That's
1: what I do with every one of my thing. barrels. When I, my barrels come home, I take them to Hairless Hair Brewery in Vandalia, and they and we. Bear, and I take a bottle of whiskey, and we drink the whiskey, and they bring over beer to me, and then we do barrel-aged one-off beers that are always sold at my bar. So we definitely do the whole full circle thing with our barrels. We're doing
3: a very similar thing, actually, with this barrel from Eagle Rare, the 11-year I got an Urban Artifact down in Cincinnati that has a uh, vanilla stout in it right now.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm pretty excited about We've done a – and I'm sneaking my favorite. We've done a barrel-aged barley wine. We've done a barrel-aged chocolate peanut butter porter. Oh, there you and go. And then next week we have a, a barrel-aged maple brown ale coming out. Wow, nice. Yeah.
3: Nice.
2: Now, uh, question on those. Are they draft only? Or they're bottled? Yeah, they're draft only. Draft only. Growlers. Did you, did you feel growlers it, 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 at all? We're,
1: we're friends. All right. But not everybody. <laughs> <talking. laughs> a, a lot
2: of it, I mean, because there's huge crossover between beer drinkers and bourbon drinkers, Definitely. whiskey drinkers. Definitely. And the barrel age is, is the rage. Absolutely. But there's a difference because so many of these are very limited. Um, when it's aged in that barrel, sometimes they don't work out. So it, it's all a matter of getting the... Uh, um, the right combination, and then when that hits social media, it explodes because people know this is a good thing, and it's gone among people who like to drink it. Because yeah. there's not a huge market for flipping
3: growlers. No, right, right, right. <laughs> no, we Absolutely. actually bottled ours, I think. Oh, we're you gonna, did. We're going to cool. do it in seven fifties at twelve percent. So, It'd be pretty cool. We're really excited about it.
1: It's a fun, It's a fun way to see that barrel through. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And make a little more money off of it. Mm-hmm. They ain't free.
3: They ain't free. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we're all sitting here tasting the cloth uh, Brothers.
0: Yeah. Any, any thoughts on this in general? I, I, know, I know it's hard. We've drank a lot of barrel-proof stuff already. Um, I like that. That's solid. It's smooth. It's easy.
1: Um, no harsh notes. It's... It's got a good mouthfeel, which yeah. I always look for. The I want that creaminess field. in the middle. You know, <laughs> you know what I like. It's uh, <laughs> sideways, Logan. Um,
2: I get a teeny bit more spice than the traditional Buffalo Trace, just a little bit more, especially on the on the back, um, back end. Yep. Yeah. Um, my palate's not totally wrecked after some of the other stuff we've had, but nice. And the, the, the neat thing about most barrel picks that i found is, that as a consumer, you don't pay a big premium for those. So you've had people vet the stuff, people with the palate who might come through and say, you know, we like this one. And I'll tell you, I've done a couple barrel selections before, and they don't all taste the same. No. So, I mean, you're avoiding the meh bourbon out there. All
0: right, so we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Uh, and I know Heaven Hill and Verial Barton got referenced. A couple of your favorite bourbons that are on the shelf right now. Like, if you, if you don't want to camp out for Pappy or b or, you know, rob
3: a bank for secondary prices... I like the bur- the barrel bourbon that's really nice, along with uh, the Smooth Ambler single barrel is really nice, and I, of course, I always like Booker's. Booker's is solid. <laughs> yeah,
0: what, what's the story on uh, the For those of the you here, bourbon, uh, what's what's if, this, if you're looking, there's uh, if you go over to the Booker's booth tonight, they're pouring Tookie's Invitation.
3: Oh, wonderful. Oh, okay. I'll have to give it a try. Yeah. I
0: was the only person who knew what that was when they were unpacking liquor yesterday. I'm like, hey, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Hell Yeah barrel bourbon what's the story on that because it's, i mean i've seen the different releases it's an and, ndp
3: it's they've changed horses a couple times um it's tennessee whiskey now i believe it's aged so it's uh, in Kentucky.
2: Oh, oh it's tennessee whiskey yeah, so it's, it's
3: either i believe that's the case on the newest releases okay, okay. but uh, it's a cash strength non-charcoal mellow non-chill filtered it's okay it's pretty serious it's about 80 bucks a bottle about 80 90 yeah depending on where you get it from okay I think anytime you got an NTP, though their price is going to be a little bit higher because they have to pay for the whiskey too so sure.
1: i mean no, no secret i love the heaven hill white label six-year-old bonded Yes. now but my everyday drinker i keep about 220 bourbons in my bar at home i don't go out anymore i just drink at home yeah uh I have a little whiskey eccentric bar in my house but uh old granddad bonded is my hands down My everyday drinker, we're the number one account in the country for Old Granddad Bonded. No kidding. We go through 800 bottles a year. So that's a barrel every five weeks. We do three cases a week. That's our household fashions made out of that. But I I, I tell people all the time, they ask me, like, what should I have in my collection? Or I have a nice whiskey bar at home. I always say, you have Old Granddad Bonded? Because if you don't, we don't have a whiskey collection. That's a Swiss Army knife. You can add rocks. You can add water to it, soda. And there's no wrong way to drink bourbon. Just keep drinking it. We want to keep selling it.
4: Absolutely. Well,
1: Drink I'm gonna go.
2: Like I'm gonna go off a of bourbon. I'm gonna go, gonna go to a rye, and it is a little more difficult to find. But for me, Sazerac Rye, Baby Saz, the six-year-old, um, in the funky kind of constellation bottle, it for, for the twenty-five thirty bucks that it, it goes for, it's a great drinker.
1: Well, yeah, I good. feel like that's the anti-rye because I like it and I don't like rye whiskey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> If it's yeah. like gin, if I say your gin's good, probably sucks because I don't like gin.
3: <laughs> I didn't know until the other day. They made one seven fives of that Sazerac Rye. I've got well, I've one. I've never seen yeah, one. Yeah, I got one yeah. too now.
2: I, I got one all the way down. From friend drove it back from New Orleans. New Orleans, yep. The yep. only place
3: I know this it. Yeah, New it's,
2: it's amazing. It's a good doorstop.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's huge. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, Alan, what about you? I like Knob Creek. Knob Creek. Uh, Knob Creeks. You know, single barrel Knob Creek. They're so different. Uh, I just fell in love with the nose of it, and I mean, a buddy of mine drinks it, and he would drink a half a bottle, and I would have one pour, and I would just continuously smell it. I just, I love it. It's got the best nose uh, to me of any bourbon. Now, I mean, we're all. I mean, my nose is pretty big, but you know, it, it, it. I think it pulls it in. But, I mean, that's my favorite as far as the uh, on the nose. And on the drink, it's, you know, any Gallenstein single barrel.
1: <laughs> Shameless plug.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, how do you suggest people who are getting into bourbon drink their bourbon? Neat? Any damn the way rocks? they will. I, 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 I hear you. but Elmer
1: T. Lee, we all can argue one of the greatest plant managers because he wasn't a master distiller. Right. That's a fake term today. He drank his bourbon every night on the rocks with 7-Up. Okay. if he can do that then, then we can do whatever we want with it okay
3: if you're trying to get people to drink it neat they'll always start with water and then just start taking away the water slowly over but the but you time.
1: Know, we tell people in a bar try it up and i can keep putting shit in it i can't take anything out of it right we can keep adding things to make you like it but we can't start taking stuff out because i, I, I think there's a
0: lot to that like for me as a bartender my job isn't to tell you what to drink you know, I've, I've, I've had people come in and order McAllen All they want you to. I've had people come in and order McAllen 25 and soda.
1: It's a hard way to spend I'd, money. I'd, yeah.
0: You know, I've, I've, I've made a comment, you know, about about big spending so they at least knew what they were, uh, could make sure they knew what they were ordering. But I've had guys who knew they were spending $115 on that to mix it with soda. Go for it. If that's what you want, more power to you. Not how I would do it, but also I don't drink mixed drinks in general like that. Um but I, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, you, you can always add water or ice or something else. Yeah. But if, you taste, if you're fashion. tasting something new, you should always start neat, in my opinion, and, and go from there. It doesn't matter what I'm drinking. My first sip's always neat no. 99% of the time, and then I go from there.
1: Well, we have a bourbon club. We're not reinventing the wheel, and that's how I move all those whiskeys you might not sell on a daily basis. And it's funny. They always start with the old-fashioned Maybe they'll pull back to a Manhattan, and after a few weeks, they, they're they like, just give it to me straight. Like, they, you know, we got to pull back, and got to get, 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 get away from that big whiskey thing. Like, we all know whiskey has a flavor, but once you get away from that, it's not like as much flavor as wine or that poverty shit beer, you know, whatever. <laughs> well,
2: I had one other piece of advice that someone gave me, and I thought, oh, come on, this is crap, but I was at a Michter's tasting, and they had the complete lineup. They had the 10, 10 rye, and the 20. Didn't have the 25 or the celebration, but so it was um, no one was asking for any of the 20, and I thought, well, heck, I'll try the 20. It's pretty darn good. Uh, The person said after my second or third pour, they said, now, do me a favor. Let it sit in your glass for 15 minutes. Don't touch it. Just let it sit there. Then come back and smell it. Just said, it'll be a completely different bourbon than what you thought was before. And I'll bet you that after this specific bottle, you will get um, a s'more. Yeah. And I said, okay, really? And I, I would have bet money that I wasn't going to get a s'more out of this bottle or this little this pour, and it was amazing, dead on. I got the graham cracker. I got the marshmallow.
1: Oxidation's important. Yeah. yeah. We, I know when we talked about, we, earlier... And it was disappointed that it wasn't already open. Uh, we have a we have regulars who the OKI, if they'll come they come every Monday. And if it's an open bottle, they'll drink the, the whole time they're there. But if you crack a new bottle, they won't have it. They feel like it needs to be open for a day or two before it tastes like it should. I think my
3: customers get tired of hearing me say you gotta give it four weeks, have a pour out of it, put the cork on it, stick it on the shelf and come back in four weeks. Four weeks change. If you're not gonna drink it when it's at its prime, why are you drinking it at all? And it's just a matter of to having a little patience because it's amazing how much each one of them changes in the bottle.
1: Well, you know, just in the glass. Yeah. You see people sniffing a glass for an hour after it's over. Oh, oh, like yeah, well, yeah. If you'd have waited 10 minutes, it yeah. might have been closer to what you're looking well, for. I
3: even, I even have a little trick to speed that up, and you have one drop of water, literally one drop, and give it 15 minutes to come back, and it's it's very similar to what it'll be like once it opens up. Not exactly, but very similar. Well, you know,
1: it's funny when we were talking about uh I got sent up to Canada for the release of the 100% Canadian rye, and they were very generous people, but when we walked in the door, they said, you can drink whatever you want, any way you want it, the whole time you're here, and they meant that. But the first glass, we asked that you only drink it with ginger ale, because we made it to be drank with ginger ale. Hmm. So, and, and after that, they didn't care what you did to it, right. but for them, that's, that's the intention in which they made it, was to be drank with a little bit, little bit of ginger ale.
3: Another, uh, another tip for new people starting in it is look up on Yahoo, look up a bourbon tasting wheel on Yahoo and images. Absolutely. Yep. Golly, that helps you so much to understand what it is that you're smelling. Because it starts with the broad smell and taste, and then it kind of vocalizes it the further out the wheel you go, and it comes in so handy just learning what it is that you're smelling. Once you understand what you're tasting and smelling, it makes a world of difference.
1: It's hard to associate flavor with your vocabulary sometimes, yeah. but like I said, seeing it in front of you, yeah. it makes a big difference. Definitely.
3: And they're free on there. You can find them any day you look. So, I mean, my suggestion
0: would be to take any bourbon cocktail and substitute a good Anejo tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, gentlemen, uh, I, I want to wrap this up uh, a little bit. So, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to... Uh, Festival in general for letting us do this. Yes,
2: cheers. Uh, this yeah, looks cheers. like an
0: excellent event. You know, this is this is where this is actually probably ahead of where uh, Winter Beer Fest was ten years ago. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal event. There are dozens of vendors. There are five pop up bars. There's a VIP speakeasy. There are past hors d'oeuvres. Uh, tons of stuff to try it it's it's a great event and i've that's been why impressed I wanna... with the
2: crowd as have been seeing the people here it's, it's a nice crowd today oh, yeah that's,
0: that's why i want to wrap this up so these guys who have been uh at the table with me can actually enjoy this festival a little bit uh i want to thank uh northside yacht club who's doing a pop-up bar uh wise guys lounge who's running the speakeasy bar in the vip room uh wellman browns or wellman brands for doing a, a tiki bar uh, I saw Seen, uh, 4EG is a sponsor of the, the Club Bar, and all the other local and national distilleries here. I've seen everything from Tito's to uh, Second Sites to Northside Distilling, uh, a bunch of others that I'm, I'm not even going to try and name off because I'm going to feel bad when I miss somebody. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for participating, for anybody listening who wants to get into bourbon and who is a bourbon expert, it doesn't matter where you land at, I promise you if you go to the Century Bar in Dayton or Stadium Liquor in Covington or Cork and Bottle down in Buttermilk Pike, you are going to find something that you like and something worth your time and some guys who really want you to spend your money the best you can. And that doesn't mean spend the most. That means spend it the best. Uh, come and check it out. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to add
2: I just say, cheers, Logan. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. Thanks, yeah.
1: Thank, Thank you for inviting us. Cheers for from sure. proof. Yep. I appreciate all the excellent pours. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that's sharing, That's what bourbon's for. Right. Yeah.